Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Good morning, Crosspoint. Good morning. It's good to be back with you. Uh, I had the pleasure of being here this summer during your Summer Salsa series. Uh, and I had such a great experience when, when Rob and Michael said, would you like to come back? I said, of course. I'd love to come back and, and hang out with you guys. Um, today we continue the series you've been looking at on people skills. Um, hopefully, in this series, you've been getting better at your people skills. That's what I would hope. And I would hope that you've, uh, you've been... Uh, uh, working through some amazing stuff. I know you've been looking through um, working on trust, on forgiveness, uh, making peace, anger management. That's a good one. Last week, anger management. Did everyone go home and just punch a wall after that? I, I don't know. I don't know what that looked like. Um, but today we're continuing the series, uh, and the title that was given to me uh, for today was called Potty Mouth. Um, ironic that they gave the Scottish guy uh, the sermon on being a potty mouth. Um, But before we begin, uh, will you pray for me? Uh, And let's just pray together. Uh, Jesus, thank you again uh, for this day. Thank you for um, time to set aside from uh, the busyness of life to come into uh, this place to be with your people, to worship, to give you praise, uh, to hear from you. Uh, And now, just Holy Spirit, would you fill us afresh? Would you fill me afresh as we um, open your word, as we look at this series on people skills as we talk about how important the words we use and the things that we say are. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, So today, as we begin this conversation on the use of our mouth, the words we say, the things that we talk about, uh, I thought it would be Good to give you a little bit of a further background about me. Last time when I was here, uh, you heard that I'm married to Stephanie. Um, I think, were we married by that point? I th- yes? Good. I can't, I can't remember. Thank you for reminding me. Um, Stephanie used to be on, on staff here a few years ago and used to lead worship here. And, uh, and uh, as I came here last time, I think I walked away and most people just went, ah, it's Stephanie's husband. And I, and I was like, that's great, but I don't think I've actually told you much about who I am. Um, and so today as we talk about uh, people skills, and talk about the words that we say, the things that we talk about, I thought it'd be good to give you a little bit of background of my personality. Now, I don't know how many of you have jumped on the personality traits game where everyone tries to put everyone in boxes and tells them what they look like and how they are and how they think and how they operate. Um, let me just tell you about the boxes that I've been put in. Um, so the first is Myers-Briggs. Who's aware of the Myers-Briggs test? Yes, I am an INTP which on the Myers-Briggs, they class as the logician. I still don't know what that means. Um, But it says, people with a logician personality are often logical, imaginative, enthusiastic, open-minded, confident in their own abilities. That sounds good so far. But they are often withdrawn, insensitive, condescending, and can be perceived as arrogant. That's part of my personality. Um, If you're not on the Myers-Briggs train, uh, everyone and their dog jumped on the Enneagram this last couple years. Uh, And my Enneagram is a type 8. And an 8, described uh, from the Enneagram Institute, defines an 8 as somebody who is self-confident, strong, assertive, protective, resourceful, straight-talking, decisive, but can also be egocentric and domineering. Yeah. Don't you love it when people put you in boxes? I love it. Um... 
And I say this to you just to help you understand and make you aware that as we talked this morning about the words that we say, uh, maybe more often than not, I've found myself in situations where I've said things that have maybe hurt people. Um, maybe not even out of deliberately trying to hurt people. Um, part of my INTP type 8 Scottish personality, and I can say things and go, oh no, did, I, did that come out my mouth? But today, we're going to be talking about that. And I want to give you a little example of what happened uh, just one week ago. Uh, just, just a whole week ago, as I'm preparing for this message on talking about the use of our mouth and how we say things and the words that we say, I was playing soccer. Uh, I'm, I love soccer. It's my, it's my favorite sport. I've been playing it since I was two years old. And, uh, and I was playing a match last week. Now, we were playing against this team who arguably, I would say, are the most disgusting, horrific, worst team I've ever played in my life. Uh, they were nasty, they were mean, they, they cheated, they kicked us, they punched us, and I was getting frustrated, okay? My type 8 INTP was coming out, and I was getting frustrated. And there was this guy, and I was marking him, and we were playing against each other, and he would just fall over. And I know what you're going to say, that's what all soccer players do. No, but he just fell, he just fell over, he would cheat, he would try and, try and uh, get me in trouble with the referee, and at one point, I snapped. I turned to him and I just said, I love playing with children, you wimp. Now, in a pastoral sense, that's probably an insulting thing to say. You could probably think of some worse words to say to him. That was my controlled anger as I, as I, and I started to continually chirp him as we were playing this game. And, and I was, I was pushing him a little bit harder. I was, I was kicking into him a little bit harder. I was, I was saying names. I was, I was really getting agitated. At the same time, I was preparing for this message. And at the end of the game, uh, you know, we shake hands. And the game's over, and you're shaking hands. You're going in line. And, and he stops me. And I'm going, oh, okay, I'm ready. Is he going to say something? I'm, I'm ready for this. And he said, hey, are you going to that 780 youth event next month? Uh, our church are going. I'm one of the youth leaders from the local church. <laughs> it's like when Jesus just took a sword and he just stabbed it in me. He was like, you idiot. Like, what are you doing? Like, the words you say matter. And at that point, I realized, oh, I'm representing Jesus regardless of where I am. Whether it's standing on a stage, whether it's with my youth ministry, whether it's on the soccer field, the words I say matter. And so today, I hope this talk will be as helpful for you as it has been for me as I've been preparing. Um, and that we as people who are learning better people skills, sometimes need to pause and, and think of this little muscle that's in our mouth and how we use it. And in today's culture, communication isn't simply just face-to-face -face conversation. Words can be through texting, tweeting, Facebook posts, Instagram comments. And I think as the church, we need to be really careful in the words that we choose and the things that we say. So are you ready? Good. Um, today's talk, I've actually changed the title from Potty Mouth. Uh, sorry, Rob. Um, but I've changed it to The Power of Blessing. And you might be thinking, is this some sort of hyper-faith Pentecostal talk? Maybe. I I'm kidding. It's not. It's a thoroughly biblical concept that has changed how I frame the way in which I think of people, speak of people, speak to people, and try to live. 
Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm an INTP type 8 who sometimes messes up and gets things wrong. But today, I want us to push us out our comfort zone to think that simply being a Christian is somebody who says nice things. I have many friends who don't know Jesus who say nice things. And, and simply being a Christian isn't someone who just um, doesn't slander or boast or, or curse or, or tells a couple dirty jokes here and there. Or maybe it's you're saying, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm nice. I, I use my words well. I, I, I've only ever once complained about the church coffee. Some of you are laughing because you complained twice. But I want to frame today's message not around the classic James 3 chapter, which is the chapter on taming the tongue. And I want to encourage you to go home and read it. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll reference it later on a little bit. But I'm not going to frame today's chapter and talk about that around that chapter. But I want to frame this whole notion of how we use our mouth in regards to the promise that was given to Abraham in Genesis 12. And that was later identified in Galatians 3 by Paul, which was fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Now, the story of Abraham is big. There's a lot of stuff that goes on. Um, in the beginning chapters of his life, he, he, he emigrates, he moves, he moves with family, people die in his family. There's, there's so much stuff going on there. But in Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to Abraham and he says this. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I'll make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. Now, if you've been in church a while or, or have read through your Bible, you may be aware that Abraham's people were later to be known as the Israelites. Uh, and a mandate put on their life was to be a blessing to all nations so that the people who did not know God would come to know God. That was a blessing. That was the mandate that was put on their life. But they didn't quite hold up to that. Fast forward and God sends Jesus. And as part of Jesus' role, he fulfills what Israel could not do and becomes a blessing to all people. And then we get to this passage, which we're going to frame our talk around today in Galatians 3. Now, Galatians is a letter written by Paul. It's, it's addressing the legalism in the church in Galatia at the time. And it's Paul's insight and his understanding of how the gospel changes us, how the gospel works in our heart, how it affects us, and then the fruit of that which comes. And this is what he writes. He writes this in Galatians 3. He says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Paul uses language in this text that we don't often use in today's conversation. The words blessing and the words curse. Uh, and uh, sometimes you can see these words come up. I, I'm a bit of a movie nerd. Anyone love Lord of the Rings here? Yes. You will see these words come up in these types of movies. But honestly, we don't see the words blessing and curse come up that often in conversation. Blessing is often attributed to maybe the latest rap song or a hashtag, hashtag blessed, when something goes well in your life. Or, or cursing is often related to a Disney princess who meets an old woman with an apple and, and they have a bit of a, an encounter. Shout out to Disney+. Plus. But we see here that blessing and curses are central to the language and the theology that Paul uses to describe the gospel. Christ took the curse, we inherit the blessing. 
This language was uh, framed to me uh, on January 26th of this year. Uh, when I was last year, I spoke about the different lies that we can sometimes believe about ourselves. One of those lies I said is the, the lie that I am what people think about me. That is a lie that we can often believe about ourselves. Uh, and I framed it in, in the story, the narrative of my upbringing as, uh, as my little brother Andrew was the one that everyone thought would become the pastor. He was the one that was super caring, super nurturing, super nice. He was the one that if an animal was hurt, he was the one who would help the animal. I was the one that would kill the fly. Like, I was that kind of guy. And, and growing up, it was always like, ah, oh, Chris could never be a pastor. Like, he, he doesn't have the shepherding gift. And that was the, the, the constant narrative growing up. And so I never, ever thought to pursue pastoral ministry. It was never something I felt I would be able to do because it was always Andrew's role. Now, as I was processing and thinking over the last couple months, and, and as actually I was preparing for this message, I was thinking, was those words spoken to me actually a lie? Or, or were they even truth at the same time? Was it even a truth? Or was it simply just a statement that was spoken? And as I was processing, I, I realized that the words of the, you could never do this, you'll never amount to that, you have no ability to do this, actually acted as a functional curse in my life. It was only the 26th of January this year that I actually realized I was allowing these words, this curse that had been spoken into my life, to play itself out. I've been in ministry for, for five years, full-time ministry for five years at this point, and on the 26th of January, and it was only at this point that I realized I have been allowing this to influence me for so long. Some simple words that were spoken when I was young, but had rooted itself in my heart, had harmed my spirit, and actually had impacted the ministry in which I had been working. And maybe you've had an experience like this. Maybe you've had an experience when you were younger, or even recently, where someone's spoken something and the words have just stuck. Like they've just sunk right in. And you've claimed them yourself and you've rooted them and you've started to act from them. And the way you speak to people and see people has been impacted by that, has been spoken to you. Um, John Ortberg in his book Soul Keeping says this. He says, blessing and cursing are not compartmentalized Bible words at all. He says, they're simply the two ways we treat people. They are as inseparable as breathing in and breathing out. So today as we think about how we use our mouth, as we talk about being a potty mouth, <laughs> I want us to think it and frame it in the way of do we bless people or do we curse people in that of which we speak and say. And if you, uh, if you go home today and read James chapter 3, you'll find out that the tongue is described as this. It's James describes the tongue as this. He says, no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. See this language? Continually spoken. Theologian, philosopher, writer on Christian spiritual formation, Dallas Willard, says this. He says, blessing is the projection of good into the life of another. He said, blessing is the projection of good into the life of another. And so I ask you, and I ask myself, how often do you project good into the life of other people? Our words hold weight. What we say matters. How we speak to others matters. Our tone matters. 
Our responses matter. This little muscle in our mouth can be used in one moment to praise God, as we've just been singing together, and in the next moment to curse our brother or sister. And so if James is right, if, if our tongue is this little evil thing in our mouth that is deadly poison, so he describes it, he says it cannot be tamed, then why bother? Like, wh- why bother? Why don't we just allow our tongue just to run free and do whatever it wants? Why bother? I hope you're sitting there, or if you're watching online, and are saying, but Jesus. But Jesus. See, it was Jesus who took that of which our mouth sometimes says and does, the sins that we commit, and he took that and he buried that. He took that on the cross, destroyed it, so that we could live and have freedom. And, and before I talk about how practically we can maybe bless other people, I want to ask you an old Sunday school question. And the answer is not Jesus. Okay, the answer is not Jesus. It's about Jesus, but it's not Jesus. Um, what was the last interaction, the last moment that the disciples had with Jesus before he ascended to heaven? What was, it, what was the last moment? Nope. Not the Last Supper. Before he ascended to heaven, what was his last, their last ever experience and encounter with the physical reality and person of Jesus? See, I think a lot of us may be thinking and going to the place of Matthew 28 where he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. But that's actually not the last physical moment and encounter when the disciples had with Jesus. It's Luke who actually records the final moments right at the end of Luke 24. It says this, Luke 24, 50 to 51. And Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. The last ever moment that the disciples had with Jesus, his hands are raised out and he's blessing them. He's speaking God's good intentions into their lives. And then he leaves. Now, I don't know how that works. Like, I don't know if he's like, be blessed, be blessed, be blessed. And he just disappears. I don't know how that works. I don't know the reality of that. Um, but the last ever moment the disciples had face-to-face with Jesus, his hands are out and he's blessing them. He's speaking God's good intentions into their lives. And I think some of you today need to hear that Jesus still speaks good intentions into your life. Jesus still speaks good intentions. And when we look at the life of Jesus, when we look at his ministry, and um, when we look at um, what his life looked like, I think we could sum it up in one word, and that word being blessing. He went around blessing and projecting God's good intentions into people who did not think that God would bless them. Regardless of their health, their public opinion, their sexual brokenness, their poverty, their workaholism, Jesus blessed them. Jesus blessed them. And so today, if you're a follower of Jesus, or if you're someone who is seeking after following Jesus, I want to challenge you to live a life that blesses and does not curse, because the model we have in Jesus shows us how to do it. So, how do we bless others? Here's some of the, the practical because How do we bless other people? Because I think if we look at the framework, rather than, am I, am I lying? Is that a white lie? Was that, was that said nicely? Or... or I think if we look at it as, does this bless people or does this curse people? I think it gives us a really clear framework in how we use our mouth, the things we say, 
as things we speak of other people. So the first thing is this, our speech. Our speech does matter. The things we say does matter. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Have you ever been in the company of somebody whose words are reckless? Like, they just know what to say that cuts right through. Like, they, they, they can pinpoint the right moment and the right word to say, and it just cuts through. Have you ever been in the company of somebody whose words just bring healing? Like, you're in their presence, and the things they say, you're like, oh, this is so good. Your words bring healing. Um, I've been married a few months now, and as we uh, came into marriage, uh, throughout dating, Steph and I, we didn't really argue at all. Uh, and actually, in engaged life, we didn't really argue at all. Even preparing for a wedding, ironically, we didn't even argue that much. I was like, okay, this is, this is good. And so we came into marriage with these blinders on thinking, we're never going to argue. As married people in the room start to giggle. And I've never lived with a woman before, apart from my mother. Uh, this is a new experience for me, uh, and she'd never lived with me before, uh, so that was a new experience for her. Uh, and we realized that actually, uh, as we've been living together, as we've been doing marriage together, as we're doing life together, there's moments where we just argue. There's moments where we think, I just don't think that's right. No, I don't think that's right. Uh, and what we tend to find is we seem to say things because we've got to this place where we're so honest and vulnerable with each other. We feel like it's, there's a real deep trust that we can say whatever we want to say. And sometimes that leads you to saying things that you go, I should never have said that. And I think as we look at our speech, I want to challenge you, judge your speech not on the moments where you're feeling great, but on the moments where you're feeling your worst. How does your tongue work in the moments where you feel the worst, when you're most vulnerable, when you feel most hurt? What does your tongue say? Uh, one of the reasons I came back here, not just simply because Rob was like, hey, come back, was when I was here last, you as a church were very encouraging to me. Like, I, I finished uh, preaching, uh, and a couple different people came up and just, I just want to encourage you and just say thank you so much. It was an encouraging experience. The words that were said were, were encouraging. Now, if I stood up here and just said, uh, Crossbind Church, Jesus is not real. And then it got off the stage, and you were like, oh, pastor, that was an amazing sermon. Lies. That would be a lie. But you encouraged me. You, you encouraged me. And, and from that experience, I was like, I would love to come back. I would love to come back because this church is an encouraging church. Blessing is speaking the good intentions of God into people, and it brings life. Number two, noticing. Noticing. It's one thing speaking well of people and blessing people with our words, but we have to notice the people who need to be blessed. Much of Jesus' ministry was him noticing people who were never noticed. Remember little Zacchaeus or the woman at the well? People that people did not want to notice. And Jesus sought out after them and noticed them. So who do you need to notice? Who do you need to notice so that you can bless what about the people that serve you? How many of you go to the same coffee shop every week or every morning? How many of you go to the same restaurant every month? Who are the people that you encounter with? Like, like for example, if you go to the same coffee shop, say you're a regular Starbucks attender, rather than just getting to the front of the line and saying, 
grandy skinny vanilla latte please with whip and then you get to the end of the line and you just say thank you and you leave how about stopping and thinking how can i speak god's good intentions over this person today what does that look like it might simply just be like you're really good at what you do like thank you for this coffee and you you're really good at what you do just speaking life into somebody um a story that um i i love it's, it's a guy called bob goff um Bob is a, is a lawyer, but he's also a speaker, writes a bunch of books. Uh, and there's this encounter that he has. And Bob's this kind of, kind of crazy old man. Um, but um, he has this uh, thing he does where he has medals. And he just carries them with him and just pins them to people. Like random little medals. And he just pins them. You're awesome. And he just pins them to people. Um, and I had this encounter once where he was, he was being picked up uh, at the airport. He was speaking at a conference and he was on his way to the hotel. And, and the guy was standing there with the board, said, Mr. Goff. And, and he's, oh, that must be my driver. And as he get outside, he realized he's being picked up in a limousine. And he's like, oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't expect this. And so he gets into the back of the limousine and he's sitting there and he's going, oh, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable about this. Like, and, and so he puts the window down. You know, the little window that comes between the driver and the, and and the, and the human beings, <laughs> uh, and the window comes down, uh, and he starts talking to him. He says, "Hey, what do you like? What do you do?" Funny question, because he's driving the limousine. Um, <clears throat> he says, "Well, I, I do this. I've got another job. You know, I'm, I'm married. I've, I've got a couple of kids. Just trying to provide." And um, Bob says, "Stop! Stop the car!" Uh, and now, I don't know if you've ever been in a car before, and someone tells you to stop the car. It doesn't sound encouraging. Um, but we'll get there. And so they get out the car, and, and, and he says, have you ever been in the back of this before? Uh, and the limo driver, no, sir, I, I drive the car. Have, but have you ever been in the back of this before? No. Give me your hat. Uh, sir, I, I can't do that. Give me your hat. Sir, you can't drive this car. Like, if this, if, if you crash, then I'm not covered. And, and he's like, I'm a lawyer. I have a lot of money. I'll buy you a new limousine. <laughs> and so he takes his hat and Bob gets in the front of the limousine and the guy gets in the back and he drives himself to the hotel. In the meantime, having this conversation with the guy in the back. And as they get out of the limousine, he takes one of his medals from his back pocket and pins them on him and just says, hey, you're awesome. I just want to speak God's good intentions over your life. You're great. Now, if you were to encounter that person and ask them a question being... What's your experience of Christians? What do you think he would say? What's your experience of somebody who loves Jesus? What do you think he would say? And I want to challenge you, the way you notice people and the way you speak God's good intentions into their lives, people notice. Like, what would it look like for the Crosspoint Women's Bible Study who regularly want to meet at Second Cup, for example, and they meet there once a week? What would it look like if the baristas in that coffee shop decided, I want that shift because when they come, things happen. Like, I want to be on that shift when they come. Like, when they come, they tip like freaks. Like, they buy their coffee and then tip double. And I know some of you will be saying, well, that's not good stewardship. <laughs> but... Pastor John Tyson from New York City says this, blessing is not about stewardship. Blessing is scandalous. The economy of the cross is not an economic exchange that makes sense. Blessing is always costly, but the rewards and what it unleashes is priceless. How do you notice people? Third and, and final thing, receiving. Receiving. 
Uh, as I was preparing for this message, I felt heavy in my heart to, to, to speak about this point. Um, because I believe that many of you here are people that bless people really well. You, you speak good intentions to people's life. You notice people who often aren't noticed. But you struggle to receive it yourself. See, being a follower of Jesus, we've been called to bless all nations. And for some of you, you're great at it, but you don't want it yourself. Now, a silly thing you should know about me is I'm really good at noticing when people have haircuts. I don't know if that's a personality thing or I'm just weird. Uh, when someone gets a haircut, if you're in my life and you get a haircut, I just notice. Like, it's just a weird thing that I have. Uh, typically with girls, because it's a little bit more obvious, but sometimes with dudes. I, I just notice when people have had haircuts. Uh, and, and typically I get two responses when I say, hey, you've had your haircut. Because I, I, I just say it. I just You've had your haircut. That's awesome. Um, one response I usually get is, oh, like, <laughs> you noticed. Cut in color. Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. That's one response I usually get. Second response I usually get is this. I'll go, wow, have you had your haircut? That's so awesome. And they go, oh, well, uh, I've not really been to the hairdresser for like three weeks. I, I tried to make an appointment, but um, the girl was busy. And, uh, I I and I didn't ask you to tell me that. I just said, I like your haircut. So say thank you. And some of you today need to hear that. Like, not that you have a nice haircut. Some of you do, and some of you don't have hair, but that's okay. <laughs> but you need to hear that when people speak good intentions, and it's not just throwaway comments, it's good intentions in your life, you actually have to receive it. You actually have to receive. Because we can't simply just bless and bless and bless. We have to receive. We receive from Jesus, but also Jesus uses his church to bless us too. And for some of you, you may be struggling with the receiving the good intentions, the words of blessing, um, affirmation, encouragement from others. It might be partly to do with maybe how you've been raised. It may be an absent from your life. Or you may be started to, to think that actually it's prideful to receive blessing from people. And I want to just tell you that's not true. First Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build one another up. How can you encourage and build up if people don't receive it? Encourage and build one another up. Uh, as we finish, I want to encourage the band to come uh, and join me on the stage. Um, I want to finish with uh, these words, again, from John Tyson. He says this, We often underestimate the power of the words we speak into the lives of others. Words create worlds. God said, let there be, and there was. We can shape hearts and minds and identities by the things we speak into others. I began with saying simply that, not swearing or lying or boasting or gossiping or slandering is not the full potential of what God wants to do with our words, with the things that we say, the things that we type, things that we write. Because if we stop there, we miss out on a huge call to the church, and that call is to bless all nations. Noticing others, using our words, and receiving it ourselves. So that when people encounter you, they want to know God more. When you walk into their life, they're like, I need to know Jesus. What would it look like if the people who are far from God, who are in your life, because of you, were like, I need to know who this God is. Because what you say, the way that you notice, it brings life. Uh, and so today, would you stand with me? 
I'm going to just pray for those three different areas uh, on, on our speech, on noticing people, and how we receive it. And I just want to pray for three different groups of people. Um, firstly, those of you who do struggle with your speech, you struggle with the things that you say, you may find yourself that um, you get angry, you, you, you lash out, you say things that you do not mean, you later regret it. Um, I've been reading a book recently called The, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, by a guy called John Mark Comer. And it, and it talks about actually, a lot of the times, the reason why we speak the way we do is because we're always in a rush. Like we're always in a rush. We're always on the move. We don't ever stop. And actually, sometimes we need to just pause and break, have a Sabbath, have a rest. Um, for some of you, your speech, you do find difficult. Second group of people, um, you just want to notice people better. Like you want to see the people that Jesus sees. And, uh, and maybe you used to, and it's kind of dwindled a little bit. And you just want to notice the people that Jesus sees and speak God's words, God's life into their life. And then the thirdly, um, some of you who have just really struggled to receive, like you've struggled to receive the good words of the church, of those around you, even the good words that God speaks over you. So would you pray with me? Uh, Jesus, I want to thank you for this morning. And I want to pray specifically for these three different groups. Uh, first, I want to pray for those who are struggling with their speech, just the words that they say, how they speak to people, the tone, the, the language they use. God, we, we know from, as we read through Scripture, we're, we're not under the law. It's not a legalistic thing. It's not about saying the right thing and the wrong thing. It's, it, this is about how we bless people and how we curse people, how we speak God's good intentions into people's lives and how we don't. And God, I pray for those today that are struggling with that, struggling with speaking words of blessing. God, would you fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit? Would you help them as they learn to use their words better? God, I want to pray for those who just want to notice people better. God, would you help them, give them the eyes to see the people that you see and the work you're already doing. Open our eyes to see those who we need to speak life into. And thirdly, God, I want to pray specifically for those who are really struggling to receive. They speak great words. They speak good intentions. They speak life into people, but they really don't want it themselves. Or they struggle to receive it themselves. God, would you just break the chains that say that it's not okay to receive encouragement? as we read from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, to encourage one another, build one another up. God, to build people up, people need to receive it. So God, would you help us receive that today as well? Jesus, would we not simply just think that speaking, being a potty mouth, just, just being a nice person is where it ends, but God, that you call us to be a blessing and a blessing to all nations. And so we pray that you will help us to do that through the power of your spirit. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So 
please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.